Well, welcome to this morning, and the title of our sermon today is called All My Delight. And it comes from Psalm 16, verse 3. So this morning, we're going to take a break from our sermon series in the book of 1 Peter. But not really. For the past couple of weeks you've been with us, we've been reminded of what it means to grow in our faith. Not to be ineffective or unfruitful in our faith, but to grow. And what it means to add to our faith certain qualities. Qualities that were mentioned back in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to put those on the screen here just for you to look at once again. To be reminded of what God has called us to. What our gospel calling looks like. So we spoke about these virtue, knowledge, self-control steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Well, that's quite a list, church, isn't it? And if you recall, we asked that you would just maybe take one of those qualities listed, one that you personally want to grow in. Perhaps as we've been preaching Second Peter, God has impressed upon your heart one specific quality that he wants to, you to give attention to. Well, I thought it'd be appropriate this morning to share how God is working in my heart. Real faith sweats, as Al said a couple weeks ago. Pastors sweat. We're a work in progress, just like you are, and we're working on the same things you are. So I wanted to share this morning what God had impressed, and it's really this issue of brotherly affection. I believe that's what the Lord wants me to focus on, even as a pastor. I find that when stress comes, When we feel weary, when we suffer, it's our zeal for God and our zeal for one another that can wane. And I wonder if the churches that Peter was writing to felt it. I know that I have recently. So I'll give you a little secret this morning. I'm preaching to myself. It's one of the reasons I'm preaching this message. I need to hear it. But I suspect there's some of you as well who need to hear it as well who have identified the same area as an area of growth that you would want to develop and grow in. And even if brotherly affection is not on the top of your growth list this morning, this is my prayer, that this sermon right here would be in demonstration of how we mine and dig into Scripture and apply it to our, old heart, to our hearts from the Old Testament as well as from the New Testament. May it be this morning. So with that in mind, we're going to read from the Old Testament. We're going to go back to Psalm 16. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole chapter, but I'm going to do it to set our main theme, and that is verse 3 in its proper context. So let us hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen from me in pleasant places. Indeed, 
I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. Oh, dear Lord, I ask that we would experience that which we will be preaching on this morning. All my delight. Lord, may we be able to enter in this morning and we know what it is to delight. To delight in you and to delight in the people you have joined us with. So Lord, we don't just want to talk about it this morning. We don't want to just hear about it. I pray that our souls would arise in delight. You would fill us with a delight and a pleasure that can only be found in you and your people, the saints, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, simply put, here's the question we want to probe this morning. It comes from verse 3. It's simply this. Do you delight in God's people, the church? Do you delight in God's people, the church? In other words, do you possess such a brotherly affection? And if not, how do you get it? How do you stoke it? Now, in phrasing this question... I'm not asking this. I'm not asking, do you delight in the church as a concept? Yeah, I mean, I love the church. Yeah. It's just the people I can't stand, but I love the church. I'm not talking about the church conceptually here, okay? I'm not asking even, do you delight in the church universal? I'm not asking, do you delight in the saints in China? I mean, I, there's a, in one respect, I, I hope you do. Because they are spiritual family. I'm not asking, do you delight in the heroes of the faith? Abraham, the Apostle Paul, the martyr Stephen. I'm not asking, do you delight in the huge historical figures in Christianity, like a John Calvin or a Martin Luther? I'm not asking, do you delight in those celebrity pastors that you may love, benefit from, or follow? I'm asking this. Do you delight in those next to you? To your right, to your left, behind you, and before you. Not just do you delight in those back then or those over there, but do you delight in those right here? That's the question we're getting at this morning. Do you delight in the saints, or as the psalmist said, those who are in the land? You see, apparently King David did. We read in Psalm 16, verse 3, our theme verse, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones. Listen to this. In whom is all, all, all my delight. But what exactly was this delight of which David was speaking? That leads to the first point, the dual nature of our delight. In our psalm, David, he's in some type of trouble, isn't he? Just look at verse one. He's feeling threatened. But notice where David, the author of the psalm, human author, notice where he goes 
in his thoughts. He finds comfort by delighting in God and his people. In God and in his saints, David and all the singers of this psalm find contentment and delight. In other words, it's a package deal. It's a dual delight. I mean, where do you go in your mind when the going gets tough? Where do you go? What or who do you turn to? Maybe you turn to food. Maybe you turn to the internet. Movies. Binge watching. Maybe it's sleep. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's recreational drugs. Where do you go? Where do you turn? Or do you seek pleasure in God and his people? Why would we do that? Because that is where God's true goodness is found. All the goodness you want, all the goodness you desire, and could possibly desire. See, David says in verse 2, look at it. I have no good apart from you. There's no good apart from you, O Lord. Well, that's quite a statement. But listen, we read in the very next verse, verse 3, a statement which at first seems a little out of place or unexpected. So David's saying, I have no good apart from you, O Lord. And then he says, but as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. David's just finished saying, God, I have no good apart from you. In the very next breath, he is singing about the saints in whom is all his delight. Well, what's going on here? See, apparently the saints are a part of God's goodness which David is referring to and recounting. See, in this psalm, David is taking inventory of God's goodness and grace. He is counting his benefits, not the least of whom are the saints in the land. It was about noon this past Saturday, and I was working on this message in my office. I was at this very point in the sermon, and well, I was feeling a little behind this week. Been in Nicaragua this week, as I mentioned. Feeling a little behind. And as I'm feverishly working on this sermon, on this point, I hear a knock on the office door. No idea who it might be. The person who was there came in. It was a total surprise. It was a friend and a former member of Palm Vista who I had not seen or spoken to in years. By the way, a friend who is from Managua, Nicaragua. And he walks in the door. It was Albert tonight. And it was great to see Albert. Albert, are you here anywhere? I don't know if you're here. I didn't see you. All right. Well, he, he, he walks in the door. It was great to see him, but I had these competing thoughts immediately. I'm like, Albert, you, you know, I'm right in the middle of working on a message about delighting in God's people. I really can't be distracted right now by one of God's people, okay? <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I had that thought. Now, now, sadly, I've had that thought a number of times, and I have given in. But by God's grace, it was just a fleeting thought. So as Albert sit on down, let's catch up. And it was like God was saying to me, it's one of those moments where, I don't, it's not really speaking verbally, but it's almost like you could hear it verbally. God was saying to me, Corey, this is not a distraction. This is a delight. This is my goodness 
and grace to you. You know what? It was. It was an unexpected delight that God brought my way. We were able to catch up, share fellowship, hear about how God is moving my friend's life, even just sharing some of the struggles that we've had, raising adopted children, for he has a couple as well. What a joy it was. It was like one of those pop quizzes, right? One of those divine setups, setups by God. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know you're preaching this chord, but are you living it? And uh, I want to give you a little test here. By God's grace, it was a joy. It was a joy. See, when you inventory God's goodness, do you take inventory of the people God has placed you with? Those around you? I'm talking particularly about Christians. Those in your own church. Those in your own neighborhood. Those in your community group. Do you take inventory of them as well? And do you delight in them? Do you see them as a distraction? at best, or an annoyance at worst, or do you delight in them? See, please hear this, church. As we see in this psalm, proper delight in God will and should lead us to a delight in those to whom we belong. Proper delight in God will and should lead us to a delight in those to whom we, who belong to Him. God's saints, for they are God's grace and goodness to us. But who exactly are the saints in the land? I've already referred to it, but who are these excellent ones that David is referring to? Well, from the psalm, we see that the saints, by way of contrast, are those people who are not idolaters, verse 4, but those who have been faithful to his Lord. David's not referring to perfect people here, nor is he referring to dead people, right? Who now have the label as being a saint. No, David is talking about imperfect, living, flesh and blood people, presumably those he knew and with those with whom he gathered. Today, when we talk about the saints, we're talking about ordinary people in the church who are true followers of Christ, those with whom we serve and worship. Oh, they may be ordinary in the eyes of the world. But in David's eyes, they were extraordinary. They were extraordinary. They were, what does he call them? The excellent ones. Or it says in the NASB version, the majestic ones. Now, that's not language we typically use, is it? That sounds a little over the top. I got a lot of friends. I like Marcos. But hey, Marcos, majestic one. You want to come over to my house today? I mean, just, you know, just... Ew. What's up? You know, I mean, this isn't Elizabethan England. This is not Shakespeare here, you know. But so, so what, what is David talking about? Excellent ones, majestic ones? Well, I see, I think David saw something that we can often miss. I don't believe David was delighting the saints necessarily inherent excellent glory or nobility. Nothing intrinsic to themselves. No. I think he was delighting first and foremost in something greater. I think he was delighting in someone. Church, the saints are those who reflect God's grace and goodness to you. When he was around them and worshiped with them and gathered with them and served with them, he experienced God. He saw the work and reflection of God in them as they followed and worshiped God. And I think it brought David delight. It brought him encouragement and it brought him contentment 
even in the midst of real struggles. And you know what? He couldn't keep quiet. This past week, it was a joy to see the saints in operation, at work, in our Operation Nika team, as mentioned, as they served in the small mountainous village, Timawa, on the outskirts of Managua. It just brought delight to see the team serve the Lord in their varied gifting. To see Mr. Sean Worley in his crazy shorts and Notre Dame t-shirt. God, country, and Notre Dame. <laughs> if you don't know Sean, he's a proud Irish. But to see Sean interacting with so many youth and to see him share the complete gospel in Spanish, what a joy it was to witness. To see David Bush, our team leader, run around playing soccer with the youth with his iPod, or excuse me, iPhone, and a speaker in one hand. He's running around playing soccer and blasting salsa music at the same time. It was great to see. It was great to see all the little children swarm around Sasha Montenegro as they played the game duck, duck, dog. We didn't know the word for goose, okay? <laughs> pato, pato, perro. <laughs> but the kids loved it, and it worked. Oh, it worked. Oh, it was great to see the photographs of Cassie praying for this mother and her small child in one of these humble homes. To see the pictures I wasn't there for the Vacation Bible School portion, but to see pictures of David and Chloe Behar leading Vacation Bible School and playing musical instruments with them. What a delight. Oh, to see Becky and Amanda, Sebastian, Janelle, Annika, Mariah, and Ezra all in action. A lot of them serving in ways that I never could or just I'm just so weak at. What I saw this past week was God at work in them, using their personalities, all their differing personalities, using their different skills, using their different gifts and labor as they exercise faith. I had a glimpse of God's handiwork in them as well as the ones we were ministering to in Nicaragua. But just a side note here. Church, it's difficult to delight in the saints when you're constantly comparing yourself to other saints. It is. If you are measuring your spiritual maturity or vitality and constantly comparing yourself with others, you're not going to delight as we should. You're not. Part of maturing, part of humbling ourselves is to recognize that God manifests his grace and his gifts in individuals differently. See, I can only delight in that person when I don't have to be just like them. I can delight in that person when they don't have to be just like me. Then I'm free to build the light on what God's doing in their life and how they perceive God and how they encourage me in my worship and service, even if it's different than me. That's what I was experiencing this past week. And this is what I believe the psalm, psalmist wants and was seeing in the saints. Those who encouraged him to follow wholeheartedly after God, exercising faith, not giving into the ways of the world. These are the ones he wanted to be with. 
and to worship with. But he wasn't just seeing God's work in the saints. What else David was doing here? He was verbally delighting in it as well. It's after a long day in the village of Timoah, I saw one or two of our team members cross the road from the church and peer out over the ridge we were on. You see, we were up at a village that sits about 3,000 feet above sea level on the outskirts of Managua. And they were there watching the setting sun in the west. And the sky was lit up in reds, yellows, and oranges. And I know no picture can do it justice, but I want to put up the picture here of what we saw. And we went to this ridge. And we were just like in awe. We just said, whoa, look at that. Is that beautiful? Thank you, Lord. We were verbally exclaiming our delight as we were there looking at the sunset. What, what was happening at that moment when we were looking at that sunset? We weren't just delighting in our heads. No, we were delighting with our voices as well. We were naturally expressing our delight to one another out loud. You know what? That was part of our delight. I have a quote from C.S. Lewis from his book, Reflections in the Psalms. Hear this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. That's what we were doing as we witnessed the setting sun. And I think it's exactly what David is doing in the psalm, verbalizing, singing, and completing his delight as he spoke about, as he sung about the saints in God's providential ordering and care for him, even in trouble. After all, Psalm 16 is a song, is it not? You see, delighting in God and delighting in God's people go hand in hand. We mentally and we verbally delight in God's people because we see God in them and we want to be with them. And what's the result? It's brotherly affection. But I believe there's another reason we delight in God's people and it's something we seldom contemplate. Or maybe some of you seldom contemplate and may even scarcely believe. Hear this. We delight in God's people because he is delighting in us. You see, King David in the psalm, psalm is, he's not only a model for us in the scripture, he's also what is called a Christ type. King David pointed forward to the king of kings to come, the one who would come in David's line, the promised seed and savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who surrendered on a cruel wooden cross for the sins of his people. He died for the saints, his church. And the Holy One did not see corruption. Verse 10 in Psalm 16. He rose from the dead. And King Jesus is reigning and ruling today. And he is delighting over us. See, what was prophesied in Zephaniah is true for the true Israel. That is the church. 
I want you to hear this prophecy from Zephaniah. Maybe you've heard it before. I want you to hear it again. Zephaniah is actually giving a prophecy about the day of the Lord to come, including God's judgment and his wrath. But then he turns in this section of Zephaniah chapter 3, and he's reminding his people of his covenant mercies and love. I want you to hear God's disposition towards his people. Today, every follower, Jesus Christ. So Zephaniah, we're going to start with verse 14 of chapter 3 and read through verse 17 on, on the overhead. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. And I believe this is pointing to Christ Jesus as well. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Do you believe that? Do you feel a little uncomfortable with that? Sometimes I do. See, if our focus is primarily on our sin and on our weaknesses and not on God and His grace, you may struggle to find this statement credible, to believe it. I want to read a comment from the ESV Study Bible on this very text. We read this. This verse remarkably adds that God himself will rejoice over you with gladness, indicating that when God's people seek him and follow him and rejoice in him and trust him, then God personally delights in them. Oh, this next sentence is a gem. This is not an aloof, aloof, emotionless contentment, but it bursts forth in joyful, divine celebration. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Friends, this is not just a little quiet, whispered lullaby. No, he exalts over his people, those who are his, and follow him. As I was reading that, I just had a sense that there may be some who have never been sung over before. Maybe you did not have a parent who sung over you or even had a parent when you were young who was involved in your life. I want you to hear this morning, you do now. You have a father. You have one who is singing over you and delighting in you because of Christ Jesus in you. I've done a lot of things wrong as a parent, still learning, especially with our youngest adopted daughter. But one thing we've done consistently every night is sing over our daughter. I want her to hear me singing to the Lord, but I want her to hear her name as well. I want to personalize it. I want her to hear it. I want her to grow up hearing her mom and dad sing over you. You know why? Because God is singing over you. Are your ears tuned this morning? Do you hear it? Do you believe it? 
He is delighting in you. All those who are in Christ Jesus, He is delighting in you. And if He is delighting in you, He is also delighting in the person next to you who belongs to Him and following Him. Let that settle in as well. God's delighting over you and He's delighting over the saint next to you. Are you delighting over them as well? And that leads to the second and the final point. When difficult, when delight is difficult, or in other words, when I don't delight. You see, a gritty resolve, determination, can't produce delight, can it? I will delight in this person. Just doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way because delight is ultimately a heart issue. If your heart doesn't delight in God, you're not going to delight in the saints. At least not in the way that the Bible speaks of delight. I mean, you may enjoy hanging out with the saints at times, being seen with them, or even calling them your friends. You may even serve them. But you're not really delighting in them. Not true delight. See, the reality is, if you're not delighting in God, you're delighting in someone or something else, aren't you? In the words of Psalm 16, verse 4, you are running after another God. And the end result, as it says in verse 4, is sorrow, not delight. Friends, if you've never really delighted in God's people, the church, if the saints have lost their luster, so to speak, may I encourage you with this thought. You have a beautiful inheritance to discover or to rediscover in Christ. It's God and his people. David put it this way in a well-known verse, uh, Psalm 16, verses 5 and 6, where we read, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen from me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What is this beautiful inheritance? Well, most plainly, it is the Lord whom David is extolling as his portion, as his sustenance in verse 5. But when he says in verse 6, the lines have fallen from me in pleasant places, I believe the psalmist is recognizing God's providential ordering of his life down to when he lived, where he lived, and who he lived with as well. The very saints in the land in whom, with whom he dwells and takes delight. If God is your inheritance, so are his people. And this is the promise that he holds out to give us hope, to give us contentment, and to give us delight for our soul. I'm not sure how many of you or how you got to Miami. Maybe you were born here. A lot of people were born here. Maybe you moved here because of a job, because of family needs. I'm not sure how you came to Palm Vista. Maybe a friend or family member invited you. Maybe you saw us or did a search on the internet. Maybe it's a drive-by sighting. You saw a sign. I don't know. But God has brought you here. He has ordered your steps down to the very people that you are with today. Those saints that you see when you walk through these doors on a Sunday morning. Those you live around. Those in your own community group as well. Perhaps coming to Miami or becoming a part of Palm Vista meant saying goodbye to some family members. Embracing Christ has meant being ostracized from your family. 
who lives nearby geographically. If that's the case, Christ has some stunning words to say to you this morning. It's a promise, it's an inheritance, and it's to his saints. Christ put it this way, Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30, up there on the screen. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. What is this inheritance that Christ is speaking about? What is this promise he's holding out to all those who follow him? Oh, it's houses. It's brothers. It's sisters. Mothers and children and lands. It's a spiritual family. It's the saints. It's me. It's you. It's those next to you. Christ isn't talking just about the life to come. He's talking about what we receive now, in this time, on this earth, 100-fold. It's the church. It's his people. Oh, yeah, along with suffering and persecution as well. Have you experienced such a family, such saints? Have you learned to delight in them? Let's be honest. It's not always easy to delight in family, is it? It's not. It's so easy to distance ourselves or just leave those we don't click with or those we're in conflict with. We see it so often in the church at large. Oh, church, instead of distancing ourselves, let us delight. Let us learn to delight in the saints with a brotherly affection. If you find yourself here and you're just, you're tired. You're tired of the saints. Apathetic. Unmoved. You don't have to stay where you are. Oh, you can't. I want to give you a few steps a way of application this morning. Number one, change begins with delighting yourself in the Lord who has providentially placed you in Miami And here at Palm Vista, that you may say in verse 5, the lines have fallen from me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Number two, change means, and it may mean for you, confessing any coolness or coldness of hearts towards others. Number three, change means earnestly praying. We read in Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, this is a command. Delight. It's also a promise that he will give you the desires of your heart, including delight for the saints. Number four. Change involves doing that which may rekindle that delight. Act according to what you want your heart to be. Go ahead, initiate with a saint today. Serve a saint today, even if the delight is dim, in anticipation and in hope that that light will become stronger, that delight will dawn and return. And for those who are delighting the saints, and there are many here, thank you for leading the way. Thank you for teaching me. Oh, would you stoke that delight this morning? Go ahead, express it. Tell someone else, a saint, what they mean to you. Verbalize it. 
Tell of your delight. Tell it to God, but tell it to that person as well, that your joy may be complete. Remember, delight is completed when expressing it, just as the psalmist has modeled for us. Delight is contagious. Go infect someone today, all right? That we might say, as for the saints of Palm Vista Community Church, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. If I can invite the band up at this time to conclude with one final song, as we delight together as the people of God. We're going to delight, sing 10,000 reasons, and we're going to count one of those reasons as the people that God has joined us with, the saints. We're going to see and sing of God's goodness to us. So let us prepare our hearts Let us now rise, let us sing, and let us delight in our Savior and delight in his goodness as expressed towards us.